Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Let's stand together and worship. So, God, we just open our hearts to you this morning. God, we just pray that you would just move in our lives, just speak to us, God. We just want to lift up our praises to you. Over 
Y'all feeling alive this morning? You know, it's amazing just what God can do in our lives. You know, and it's something to, to celebrate. It's something to rejoice in, you know. If some of us have had maybe a more difficult week than others. I know I've definitely had a, a challenging week this week, but to just be able to come into his presence and just be reminded of the goodness of his grace, the goodness of his love. You know, and as we sing those words to this next song, and it declares that amazing grace of God, you know, I'm sure we can all just begin to think, man, God healed this place in my life, and man, thank you for his grace, or, you know, what God uh, brought me from this season to this season, and man, it was only by his grace that I was able to make it through, and, and so maybe let's just spend some time this morning, let's just lift up our thankfulness to him let's just lift up our gratitude let's just lift up our adoration to him and just say god just begin to focus on those things and just say thank you jesus thank you god that you've set me free thank you god that you are doing this in my life and even if i might not see it yet i know that you are faithful and i know that you will continue to move and so let's just declare that this morning as we sing this out
for his love. There's so much to be thankful for. Just fix your eyes and fix your things on the things that you have to be thankful for this morning. Your gratitude towards him, just lift up your praise to him. All throughout the room, just lift up your praise to him. right now as we are just open to you, God. God, let us fix our eyes on you. God, thank you for the fact that you don't leave us in wandering. You don't leave us in brokenness. God, you don't leave us in bondage, Father. You came to set us all free, Jesus. And so I pray that through your presence this morning, we experience the freedom that your spirit brings, Jesus. And so, God, we just invite you to just change us this morning. Bring us closer to you. Help us to see things maybe we aren't seeing about ourselves, God, so that you can touch those places and heal them. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for the breath in our lungs that we're able to praise you with right back to you, God. God, we love you and we praise you. Pray you be with Pastor Joe as he delivers the message this morning, God, knowing every word. And let us receive it in obedience and faith. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, welcome to church this morning. We're really glad you guys are here and that you made it out this morning. Um, just a couple of things to talk about. The first thing I want to say is this is Peyton's very last Sunday here before she heads off to college this week. So that, that's nice of you guys to act disappointed. <laughs> We're really going to miss her. Let's give Peyton a big round of applause for all she's done. 
She's just been an amazing part of this church and a part of my family's life. I know she's like a big sister to my kids, except for Christian. You're more like a little sister. That we wouldn't mind if you married one day, to be honest. Um, he needs a real strong woman, and she is one. But um, we're so excited for Peyton. She's just going to be a, an amazing light in Harrisonburg at JMU. And I know she's going to do great things, and she's going to find a great church there. She's already... Um, looked into that. I mean, that's all you can really ask for. And she's got Grace there to be um, like a big sister to her. So we're really excited. And Grace is going back to school this week to start her master's, which she's already kind of started. And she's super excited. So get it, Grace. Peyton, you want to tell them what you're going to major in for now, at least? Yeah. Um, so I'm starting. Sorry. Whoa. <laughs> Um, I'm starting as a major in psychology, um, but obviously I have a call to ministry, so after college, I don't know where God's going to lead me, but I'm going in with psychology. He might change my mind once I'm there, so. <laughs> wow, I got mic envy there. It was Sorry. so loud. I was like, wow, it must be awesome to hear your voice to go like that. But anyway, um, just a couple things to let you know about. Thank you again, Peyton. We love you. And um, so just give her a hug before she leaves this week, but she'll be back. So you probably be like, didn't she go to college? Because she's here all the time. Um, but um, coming up in a few moments, we're going to take our tithes and offerings. If you're a guest, we don't expect you to give into that unless you um, feel led to do so. But that helps us take care of ministry expenses here. Like um, we actually have, I should have said this last night, but we have four people who are in Ecuador right now on a missions trip. And we're really excited for them. They're going to be doing some like VBS and a lot of really awesome things there. So keep them in your prayers this week. Um, they're there with Kelly, so anything can happen. Um, I feel like my mic's getting quieter, so I got to hear myself talk. I'm not like my mom. I'm very different. Oh, wait. Are we the same? I think my mom and I are very much like. So anyway, um, that's something I got to work out in therapy. But um, so you can, <laughs> you can give it all these ways. I can say that because I pretend like she's not here, but she's watching right now. So hi, mom. Um, but anyway, those are all the ways that you can give. The buckets are going to come by in just a few moments. And in that, there's a connection card inside your program, which you can fill out. Um, if you have any questions or prayer requests or anything like that, you just put that on the card, toss it in the bucket when that comes by um, during the next song. And um, if you have your phones, we'd like you to check into Facebook if you'd like to do so, if you're a Facebook person, um, to let your friends know that they're that you're here and they can watch online or they can join you at the 11 o'clock service if you'd like to stay. Um, and one more thing, we have our Back to Basics class coming up um, this evening. That's the 12-week class. We tell you about it every week, but we want to remind you that you can go to it at any time. You don't have to have been there for the past however many weeks it's been going on. You can just drop in tonight. And what's it about? Do you know? Rich doesn't know what it's about, but let's just say it's going to be really awesome. So <laughs> I don't think he's teaching, though. So Rich is going on vacation, too, so that's going to be awesome for him. So take it away. I'll take it away. It's my hand. <laughs> okay. Um, we also have our end of summer bash coming up, which Jody mentioned last weekend. Um, that's going to be this Saturday, August 25th, which I'm really bummed about that I have to miss it because it's from one to four in the Salem Fields townhouses. But afterwards, we're coming back here to watch The Greatest Showman, and I haven't seen it yet. But I know the soundtrack, and I love the soundtrack, and I want to I want to see it, but I'm not going to be able to. So I don't know. I'll watch it at school. Um, but if you guys are interested in being volunteers, you can email students at salemfields.com. Like I said, it's going to be this upcoming Saturday. Um, the 25th from 1 to 4 p.m.
Also, this upcoming Saturday, we have our open mic night, um, which is going to be taking place in the Rubicon Cafe. We had that last month, and it was a huge hit. Um, it's from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. So if you want to volunteer with the students at the townhouses, come watch The Greatest Showman and then go do open mic night. There you go. You're here all night, and it's the best. So if you're interested in that, um, it's going to be next Saturday night in the Rubicon. Thank you, Peyton. All right, two more quick announcements. Uh, we have our men's night out and women's night out. That is coming up on is that a Thursday or Friday? That's a Thursday. August 30th at 7 p.m. Uh, we do the fantasy football draft every single year. It is a blast. It has grown every single year. And so it's the same night, same event, but two separate events, the men's one and the women's one. And so you can sign up in advance uh, just so they can get a head count of who's coming. Uh, for the men, sign up men at SalemFields.com, women, women at SalemFields.com. Uh, cost is $5. That covers the cost of food for the night. It's a great time. So you definitely want to come out to that. And then finally, uh, we are having our men's advance again this year. It is September 21st through the 23rd. Every September, uh, the men go away on a retreat, but men don't retreat. We advance, and so that's why it's called Men's Advance. And so it is just a great weekend uh, full of relevant uh, messages, worship, time hanging out together as friends, doing different activities, and it is a blast. So really want to encourage you. There is a table out in the lobby. Go and visit that. You can get any question that you have answered, uh, and you can get signed up today. So I want to encourage you guys to go and check that out. Well, our very own Pastor Joe Mummert has a fantastic uh, message to for us this morning that will really bless you. Um, and so we're just so glad that you guys are here. As those buckets pass by, uh, why don't you guys stand with us as we continue to worship. I felt no hurt, you paid it all. 
so, so kind to me. So clear this, come on.
know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Terrific. Thank you. What a moron. favorite part of that is he's like, how does he know where we're going? Yeah, how does he know where we're going? It's always important to know where you're going, I guess. Going 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction doesn't do you much good. Reminds me of a story I read about a bagpiper one time. As he wrote, he says, a bagpiper, I played many gigs. Recently, I was asked by a funeral director to play at a graveside service for a homeless man. He had no family or friends. The service was to be at a poor man's cemetery in rural Kentucky. I was not familiar with the back roads, and I got lost. Being a typical man, I didn't stop and ask for directions. Finally arrived an hour late, saw that all the funeral workers were gone. The hearse was nowhere in sight. Only the grave diggers and their equipment remained. The men were eating lunch in the shade of a nearby tree. I felt bad about being too late for the ceremony, and I apologized to the workers. Went to the side of the grave and looked down and saw that the vault lid was actually already in place. I didn't know what else to do, so I started to play. Workers put down their lunches and gathered around with their hard hats in hand. I played my heart and soul out for that man with no family and no friends. I played for that homeless man like I've never played for anyone. I played Amazing Grace, and as I played, the workers began to weep. They wept, and I wept. We all wept together. When I finished, I packed up my bagpipes and started for my car. Though my head hung low, my heart was full. As I opened the door to my car, I heard one of the workers say to the other, and I have never seen or heard anything like that, and I've been putting in these septic tanks for 20 years. <laughs> so a lot of you guys know my story and my background, but for those of you who don't, I'll try and keep it short. I was born not far from here in Woodbridge. Two young parents, not exactly how the story goes, because you know, as most stories tend to accumulate a little drama and intrigue over the years but I'll do the best I can. See, I was born with fluid on my lungs. I was kept in the hospital a little longer than a normal newborn would be. One evening during a random blood pressure check, the nurses noticed that something just wasn't quite right. My blood pressure was extremely high in my upper body and almost none in my lower body. After further testing, they found out the main artery in my heart, the aorta, had a kink in it and blood was barely getting through. Just before I was six months old, I underwent open heart surgery to cut out the kink and repair the aorta. Spoiler alert, I made it. See, I had a pretty typical childhood, you know, it was dysfunctional. I was raised in a good family, and by all accounts, I was a pretty good kid. I played sports, managed to stay out of any major trouble. I met my beautiful wife, Sabrina, when I was 19, and just shortly after my 21st birthday, she gave birth to our first beautiful baby, Kylie Brooke. We struggled to find our way like most marriages do, especially young ones. We had two more children, and only 26 years old, I found myself landing a pretty good promotion at the company I worked for, but it required us to relocate to Richmond. See, for the first time in my adult life, I lived over an hour away from our nearest family, and I eventually learned that the lack of accountability was going to kill me, almost literally. A few years into the new adventure, I let things spiral out of control. I had always been a social drinker, at least that's what I told myself. 
you know, didn't affect me. Didn't affect my job. I didn't have to have it. I didn't have to have a drink. It wasn't affecting my family, so it wasn't a problem. But over time, I ventured into new, more dangerous areas. My lowest point, I woke up one day and realized I was surrounded by nothing but drug dealers and drug users. I was swimming with the sharks, expecting to stay alive. It's funny how God works because actually I was on a job for a lady in Chantilly. Didn't know the lady from Adam, and she turned out to be a Christian woman speaker. 30 minutes into this job, I'm in this lady's living room, bawling my eyes out, pouring my heart out into what was going on. And I said, look, I know, I know where I need to be on Sunday, but I'm not ready to go there yet. And she gave me one of her CDs. And I popped it in on a trip back to Richmond and listened to it. I was brought up in the church, and I knew God was an option. But somewhere deep down, I knew there was a cost associated with following God. I wasn't quite ready to give that up. I wanted a change, but not that much of a change. So as I put this lady's CD in and listened to it, next thing I know, I literally had to pull over. I was crying so hard. My, my shirt was wet from the amount of tears coming out of my face. And as sure as I'm standing in front of you today, I pulled over and I said, God, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it alone. I can't shoulder this weight anymore. And as plain as I'm talking to you, I heard it in the back of my head. He said, you don't have to. And in that moment, I said, all right, God, I did it my way for 30 years. It's time to do it your way. I'd love to stand up here and tell you that from that moment on, everything's been roses, been rainbows and butterflies, you know, puppy dogs and, you know. Since that time, I've actually, for, for some stupid reasons, but it happened, I've had, actually had to go to jail. I've done time in jail. My wife's had to go to rehab. I've turned my back on God at times. I've ran. See, God has used many situations and other people coming in and out of my life to shape the man that I am today. See, there have been many steps involved from this man here and the guy that's standing in front of you today. That man was shaped, but a little differently shaped than this man that's shaped. <laughs> See, I've been drug and alcohol free since January 19, 2013, and tobacco free since March 1, 2014. In the last year, I've discovered this organization called Celebrate Recovery. Completely excited about the transformation of many people's lives that this program has brought about. Here's one. Hi, my name is Tess. My areas of struggle have been post-traumatic stress disorder due to domestic violence. I was a survivor of childhood incest and um, rape and um, self-harm behaviors. The first time I went to CR was probably back in like 2011, 2012. I had just gotten out of a domestic violence shelter. CR has been invaluable to me because of the friendships that are now family, because of the support that I have that I didn't have before. We've got some with PTSD, divorce, fear, anxiety, depression, overeating. It's just a myriad of things that everyone struggles with. You know, I can call somebody and pick up the phone and say, hey, you know, I'm struggling with something, or, you know, give the good news too. So it is a good news story. For me, when I clean house, and you know, I keep a clean house, I think about how Christ has cleaned me up. And uh, so it doesn't make the, the chore so taunting. And it kind of gives me a little bit of joy, you know, that I think about where he's brought me from. 
But the thing I really liked was when we went through the inventory, whether you wronged somebody or somebody wronged you, and making those amends. That was really powerful for me. I don't think I would be where I am today if it wasn't for CR. Right up here in the front row, we have Tess. Everybody. I'm hoping in our time together today, we can, I can show you through working the program with Celebrate Recovery how we can help ourselves and others along the way. But the first important question we must ask is, where are you? In John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, we're going to revisit a story we've seen before, but hopefully we can see it in a different light today. The scripture reads, Sometimes, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. What they would actually believe is that every once in a while the angels would come down and stir the water, and the first person into the water after that happened would be healed from whatever disease they had. The one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. So when it comes to many or any situation in our lives, we must ask ourselves and answer three questions. What, so what, and now what? Why don't we try the formula with this story? Let's break it down and take things a little deeper. So first, let's identify the what. What was this guy? He was an invalid, as the Bible states, and had been for a very long time. Let me tell you, though, this guy's ahead of the game. Some deficiencies are more obvious than others, but how great was it this guy could admit the position he was in? He was going to the pool for help. The greatest definition I've heard of the word humility is to have an honest view of yourself. If we stop and take an inventory for a minute, then we have to realize there's only one place we can get an honest view of ourselves. It's not your best friend. It's not your spouse. And I can promise you it's not yourself. No one on this planet has ever lied to you more than you. There's only one place we can get that honest view, and that's to be in tune with and in relationship with our Heavenly Father. When it comes to relationships, though, there's three ways we can engage with others. We can be back-to-back, side-to-side, or face-to-face. See, this message probably wouldn't be as comfortable for anybody if I did the entire thing like this. So back-to-back probably isn't the best way to communicate with other people. The only place that true intimacy is really possible is when we're face-to-face with others. So once we come to terms with where we truly are, we're ready to face the first principle of Celebrate Recovery, and that's that I can admit that I'm powerless to control my life. See, by laying at the pool every day, this man was convinced he was powerless to control his condition. Like I said, he was a step of where a lot of us are, though. Some of us fight hard to make it out of denial. It's not just a river in Egypt. Some of y'all will get that later on tonight. (laughs) Even though the man was admitting he was powerless, he was still full of excuses. You ever met anyone like that? Have you ever been anyone like that? Jesus says, do you want to get well? How crazy of a question do we think that is? On the surface, our answer and his, of course. Of course I want to get well. 
Are you crazy, Jesus? Why wouldn't I want to get well? He said, wait, that's not what his answer is at all. He starts to make excuses. But no one will help me into the pool. Someone else goes down before me. They're quicker than me. You don't know my story, Jesus. It's just the way it's always been. It's not my fault. You don't know the way I was raised. You don't know who my spouse is. You don't know the upbringing I've had. You don't know the damage that was done to me. Let's take a minute to dig a little deeper. What does it mean to get well? Why are there so many excuses for not getting well? Let's be honest, there's comfort in being broken. It's predictable. It's unchanging. There are no expectations in being broken. People as a whole don't like change. There's fear in change. There's discomfort in change. Everybody take your hands and go like this and fold them up like you're going to pray. Now see if your right thumb goes over your left thumb. If it does, you're actually smarter than the people that go, I'm just kidding, it doesn't <laughs> really mean anything. So whichever thumb goes over the other, take your hands apart, do it again, but purposely make the other one go over the other. Something that little feels weird to you. Your brain and your body resist change. So we have to believe in something more than ourselves, greater than ourselves, to accept change, which brings us to principle number two, which is believe that God has the power to help me recover. God has the power to help me recover. God has a part, I have a part. But we make excuses because we doubt we're capable of doing our part, and we're afraid that God won't do his part. Think that you're alone in your doubt, though. You're the only one that doubts. You don't think that God is who he says he is. Well, luckily, we have another uh, example in Scripture of somebody else that doubts. Jesus calls this guy, those born among women was the greatest. That puts you in a pretty good category because most of us are born of women. So we're talking about John the Baptist here. John the Baptist, if you remember, paved the way for Jesus. He baptized Jesus. And after he baptized Jesus, we see the skies literally open. And God says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. You would think removes all doubt. I mean, if the sky's open and God says something, I mean, that's, you know, you witness something like that, you're going to be pretty convinced that this guy's special. But see, we look a little forward in the narrative. John's sitting abandoned in a jail cell. Story didn't quite work out the way John thought it would. So he sends a message to Jesus through his disciples and says, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Are you kidding me? You saw the sky open up. But now because John's sitting in a jail cell, he's doubting Jesus is who he said he is. The third principle of celebrate recovery is to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. There really should be a PS here that says, no matter what. I think we see another great example of this when the disciples are traveling by boat and see Jesus walking on the water. Keep in mind, this is right after he fed the multitudes with the fish and loaves, so he just performed a miracle. Now they don't believe it's him walking across the water. So don't, don't feel bad when you doubt. The guys that spent every day with him tended to doubt a little bit. So they call out to him, and he asks Peter to step out on the water with him, and what does Peter do? 
gets out of the boat and actually starts to walk on the water. Yeah, we know how the story goes. We love to beat up on Peter because he took his eyes off of Jesus and sunk, started to fall into the water. Why do we do that, though? Why do we default to the negative? We make fun of Peter because he fell, because he took his eyes off of Jesus. You know what Peter did that the other 11 people on the boat couldn't do? He stepped off of the boat. If only for a moment he defied the laws of nature and stepped out and walked on that water with Jesus. He got to experience something the other 11 guys on the boat will never get to experience because they didn't take the first step off the boat. So where are you? You on the boat? Fourth principle to celebrate recovery is to openly examine and confess my faults. Never seen a better example of this than one of my favorite and most confusing. Maybe that's why it's my favorite because it's hard to wrap my mind around. The Apostle Paul in Romans 7 says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This can be one of the hardest verses to pick apart, but I think many of, this, many of us can relate to this. I recently learned more about this passage and relate more than I could ever imagine. Anytime I read this verse in the past and he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? I always thought Paul was talking about a figure of speech, you know, this, this duplicitous nature that I have. It's just a dangerous lifestyle to live, this, this, this dual nature in me that battles with itself. That's true to an extent, but Paul's comments have a deeper meaning. See, the Romans of Paul's day were really good at coming up with evil, cruel, and unusual torture methods to kill people. And as Gay said last week, now it's my turn to be disturbingly informative. So there was a method they used when someone was convicted of murder, they would take the person that they murdered, strap it to them, and eventually that person's body would rot, poison you through your pores, and eventually kill the murderer. So what Paul's actually saying here is if we aren't careful to put away the old, we strap that old person to us, and we'll continue to carry him around, and that rotting person will eventually start rotting us out. See, one way to cut off the old and grow the new is to follow principle number five, which is to submit to every change God wants to make. I can't tell you how many times I felt if I could just get past ABC addiction, I would be okay because of XYZ. But let me tell you, there are more addictions than I ever thought were possible. You know, one time I was actually even addicted to the hokey pokey. But don't worry, I turned myself around. <laughs> Wah, wah. <laughs> but in all seriousness, that's why I'm so thankful for an organization like Celebrate Recovery because they don't focus on just chemical addiction. As you heard Tess say in the video, it covers a myriad of different addictions. You know, the one, one of my favorite sayings, there's two types of people in this world, people that are in recovery and people that need to be in recovery. The two starting groups are chemical, chemical dependency and then A to Z. So if you have a hurt, habit, or hang-up, that starts with any letter from A to Z, you qualify for a group. 
So if we're following steps five and submitting to the changes God wants us to make, then we must take up our mat and go. But again, what does that look like? We answered the what, what we are and where we are struggling. We answered the so what by realizing why we need to change and who we may be hurting. Now we need to answer the now what. What does walking away from that pull at Bethesda look like? We're walking away from the comfort of our spot next to that pool that we've held for 38 years. The one part of walking away and having a new identity brings us to celebrate recovery principle number six. I must evaluate all of my relationships. The number one thing that I can say helped me to overcome my addiction and uprooted me from my spot at the pool was a separation of environment. Quite literally, I had to get up and leave the pool and never go back. Reminds me of a guy who moved to the United States from Ireland. He had two brothers that he had to leave home in Ireland, so they made a pact that every time they went out drinking, anytime they went to a local pub, they'd always order three pints, one for each of them. So week after week, this guy goes to his local pub, orders three pints, three pints, three pints. One day he comes in and orders two, and the bartender's like, oh, man, something happened to one of his brothers. I don't know how to bring it up, what to say, how to, you know. So finally he goes, look, man, I'm sorry to hear about your brother. He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, oh, well, every week you come in and order three, three, three. This week you come in and order two. Oh, no, my brothers are fine. I quit drinking. <laughs> so you can't expect to belly up to the bar every day and just be good enough to not drink. It's not going to happen. The people that you stay around in the environment you put yourself in can have a great importance on your ability to succeed. One thing I've even noticed, it boils down to the music I listen to. You know, the old saying is garbage in, garbage out. You know, another example we see in this, in Scripture, is again with Peter. Right after the Last Supper, Peter has just spent the evening with Jesus. He's basically fresh off of a small group. You know, they just took communion. They just, I mean, that's about as small group as you get sitting around with Jesus taking communion. Jesus tells him tonight, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter actually has the audacity to argue with him. Nah, not me, Lord. I'm with you. With you till the death. He's pumped up, man. He just came off of Bible study with his brothers. Shortly after that, Jesus is taken away. The disciples are starting to scatter in a state of panic. Peter's out in the streets all by himself, left alone. Doesn't even hesitate. I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're one of his disciples. Never knew the man. It's amazing how quickly things can change when we don't surround ourselves with the right people. When we just try to be good enough. As important as it is to have time and fellowship with other believers, it's also important to spend time with the Father as well. It goes back to seeking humility and having an accurate view of yourself and remember it's only one place we can get that. Reserve, uh, sorry, principle seven is to reserve a daily time with God. Spending time with God daily is very important in processing what we're going through. I can't stress the importance of prayer. The fact that I'm standing up here in front of you today, there's a woman sitting in the second row over here that prayed for me daily for the 15 years I ran from God. She planted a seed in my childhood. Can't tell you what it means to me. 
And I look back and I think, man, I love my kids. And I can't even imagine the anguish if I had to do that for 15 years and watch my kids go through what I put her through. But I can tell you, standing up here makes sense of the scripture where God says, I will restore the years that the locust ate. See, I'm 35 years old and I'm just learning how to feel. Oh, it's all roses and butterflies too, boy, I tell you. You know, one thing I've had to realize, not only am am I not as good as I used to be, I'm having to come to terms with the fact that even the greatness I thought I used to have, I wasn't even as good as I probably was at the time. Man, that can be humbling. See, one of my biggest reasons for using it in the past was just to not feel. One of the truest statements I've learned recently is that you can't heal until you learn how to feel. People spend billions of dollars a year just to not feel. People take sleeping pills because that's that one time at night when it's just you and your thoughts and you're laying down and there's no distractions and you got to face that man in the mirror. But I can tell you, if you're really feeling brave, pray the prayer in Psalm 139, 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I promise you, though, hold on tight. You've got the guts to really pray that prayer. Hold on tight. Sometimes we need that refresher to know that God's there. Sometimes we feel distant from God, kind of like John the Baptist. Are you the one? See, we've even had the personal experience with him, and still we feel like he's far away. We end up like my buddy Bruce here. Okay, God, you want me to talk to you? Tell him back. Tell me what's going on. What should I do? Give me a signal. Please send me a sign. Oh, what's this Joker doing now? Okay. All right. I'll try it your way. All right. Lord, I need a miracle. I'm desperate. I need your help, Lord. Please. Reach into my life. Uh, what the heck? Oh, yeah. I got you. we've all been there. God's not doing his job. He's not doing what we want him to do. 
But again, now what? Why can't we just lay next to the pool? Why can't we just lay there and complain? What's the point of all this? Why'd we get up and walk away from the pool anyway? What did we expect to happen after we got up and left? Yes, we're to better ourselves, but what are the motives behind us wanting to be better? Are we seeking righteousness to be better than others, or are we seeking righteousness to be better for others? See, we work hard at being good or being a good person. If you ask a lot of people what it takes to get into heaven, they'd likely say, just be a good person. Bad news with that is Jesus says, none of us are good, not even one. We're only made righteous through the blood of Jesus. Jesus didn't come so that bad people could be good. He came so that dead people could live. You know how hard you have to work to be good? But to just live, pressure's off. Let's say we work all these principles out. What's the point of it all? Let me ask you, if you made it out of a burning building full of fire, what would your reaction be? What do you think you'd do? Would you casually stroll off into the sunset thankful that you made it out alive and not worry about the others left in the burning building? Would you run back in the building and save others? Of course you should save others. It's what we're called to do. But let me also say here, and I've actually met some people that almost have a guilt that they don't have an impactful testimony. I had a good childhood. Never drank, never did drugs. I don't. I just chose to believe in Jesus. That's okay. You can still help others get out of that burning building just because you weren't inside before. There's a time of healing and recovery after we turn from a hurt habit or hang up. But there's also an opportunity to help others. The eighth and final principle of Celebrate Recovery is to bring this good news to others. This is a daily chore. It's not, hey, when you get around to it, if you have the opportunity if you think you might have a little bit of extra time. Look at the mission statement for our own church to share the real hope with anyone everywhere. Celebrate recovery, we're in need of leaders for the program right now. Anybody you see wearing a shirt this color, come up and talk to us, please. We're in need of people who've overcome obstacles and want to run back into that burning building. If you have any questions about it, Please don't hesitate to ask, but please also don't let the opportunity pass you up. Don't start making excuses. People always tell me I'm not qualified to be a leader. You know, when Buddy asked me to do this message, I didn't hesitate for a second. I said, nope. (laughs) I was terrified. And I went to God and I said, God, I'm not equipped. And he said, you're right. God, I don't feel qualified. You're not, but I am. See, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I heard a story one time about a guy who was friends with a prominent NFL player. He was sitting in the stands with the guy's family during an NFL game. Thousands of people all over the stadium were wearing this player's jersey. But the family wasn't. The wife wasn't. Thing was, she wasn't wearing the jersey She was wearing the ring. The jersey came off after the game on Sunday. Millions of people who wear this jersey across the country every week take it off Sunday afternoon. Some fans even burn it 
when the game doesn't go the way they plan it. I'm a Redskins fan, so I know all about that. <laughs> but see, the wife was wearing the ring. Didn't come off quite that easily. She was there, win, lose, or draw. She was there after the injuries. She was there for the ice bath after the game. She was there for the grueling losses. She was there from Monday through Saturday, no matter what. And I believe this is where God is calling us. Don't just wear the jersey on Sunday. Don't just show up and sit in the seat and check the box. Don't wear the jersey, wear the ring. You wear the ring, he'll give you a crown. In closing, I want to share one last scripture with you that at one point in time I used to be very confused with. Genesis chapter 3, right after the fall, Adam and Eve had just finished eating from the forbidden fruit. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? What? Hold on. It's God. There's two people on earth, and he can't find him? What kind of all-powerful creator do we have that can't keep, you got one man, God, and you've lost him? So I asked someone one day, I said, why did God need to know where Adam was? The response changed my life. The person said, Joe, God didn't need to know where Adam was. Adam needed to know where Adam was. We're quick to shout out to God like our friend Bruce and say, where are you? But are we as quick to answer when God says, where are you? Shoulder to shoulder, back to back, or are you face to face? Are you hiding? Maybe God's waiting on him to ask you, for you to ask him. So during our last song, you need to come up front, kneel down and pray. Somebody will pray with you if you want us to. I want you to ask yourself, ask God, and answer that deep, deep question. Where are you? Are you hurting a broken day? 
taking place here this morning, God. God, your presence is all throughout this room. I know you're speaking to hearts, you're changing lives, God. God, and I just pray, Lord, that the message is softening us, Lord, to just be able to just loosen our grip on those things that we're battling and struggling with, Father God, and that we just lay them down at your feet, Father. And so I believe that there are people here this morning, Lord, that today is a brand new day. God, it's a day where they are turning, Father, they are coming after you, Lord, and they are walking in authority and power that your spirit provides them, Lord. And so you know what, if this message is spoken to you this morning, and you know what, you've just been battling, but you just want to declare, God, I'm giving this to you today. I'm giving this struggle, I'm giving this battle with, with no eyes looking around. If that is you and you just are making that declaration, you're surrendering that over to God just as a sign of, you know what? God, today I'm putting my marker down. This is a new day. If you just want to throw your hand up, I want to specifically pray for you. Awesome. All throughout the room. God, you're changing hearts and you're changing lives. Father, I pray over these individuals with their hands raised, Lord. Jesus, I pray, Father, that they would no longer do things in their own strength, God, but they would just rest in your goodness and in your power, Father God, knowing that what you did on the cross was a complete work, Jesus. Father God, and that you've given them all authority and power over these things. And so I just pray, God, that you will lead them. Father God, that you would strengthen them. Jesus, and that you truly would, Father God, just help them to sense your presence as they navigate this, Lord. And I just want to encourage you, if you did raise your hand, go talk to Joe. Go be a part of this group because it is so encouraging and it is so amazing and it will set you on the right path because it will also help you not do this alone. Help you walk with those people that love you and care about you. So there's a table out there. Go visit Joe and talk to him. Father, we thank you so much for all that's taking place here. We love you and we give you all honor, all glory, and all praise. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, go visit the Celebrate Recovery table. Learn more about that. Um, learn how you can support it. And then even just get some more information. Talk to Joe. We love you guys. We'll see you right back here next weekend. Oh, come to